Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Saturius Johnson. California is a one-of-a-kind place to hit the highway, and in this episode, we'll talk with three expert road trippers showcasing exactly why. First up is Amber Mamian of the blog Global Munchkins, who took a carload of kids on a Southern California getaway. Oceanside is one of those like hidden gems. It's a little bit off the beaten path. I don't think everybody knows about it. And they've got so much new stuff coming up. We stayed at a brand new resort, super cute, right across from the ocean, so you have a gorgeous view. Then Francesca Murray of the blog One World, One Girl tells us about two standout California road trips, one with a quick hop over to Catalina Island. Pretty much you step off the boat and there's nothing to stress about. All you have to worry about is where you're gonna eat, where's the best spot to lay down your towel on the beach, and that's pretty much it. And Henry Wu of This Life of Travel tells us about some of his favorite places to road trip in wine country and take advantage of California's photogenic side. That's all coming up on California Now. Embarking on a family road trip can be a lot of fun, but when you have a big family, including small children, teens, and adults, crafting the perfect itinerary isn't always straightforward. My next guest likes to leave the planning part to her kids, and on a recent adventure, they opted for a SoCal vacation with stops in Hollywood, Huntington Beach, and Oceanside. Amber Mamian is founder of the travel and lifestyle blog Global Munchkins and has a family of six kids, newborn to 18. Welcome to California Now, Amber. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. So to start out, how did you get the idea for your blog, Global Munchkins? Uh, We have loved uh, traveling together as a family since my oldest, my 18-year-old, was just like four months old. And so um, I think just, you know, naturally we wanted to share. Friends would ask how we planned our trips. And after you tell the same story, you know, over and over a few times, it just became (laughs) easier uh, to jot it all down in a a blog, which started for family and friends and then kind of expanded from there. So so when you have such a big family – how do you work out a plan, you know, for a trip that makes everyone happy? I mean, you might have one kid who wants to play on the beach and another who wants to visit a museum and and you really, you know, need to have buy-in from them to make the trip a success. How do you do it? Absolutely. I think that's almost the trickiest part about any vacation. I think any big family would say that or any group travel situation. Um, And what we do is a lot of the pre-planning. You know, a lot goes into researching the trips. Uh, We get the kids involved. We have since they were probably around seven, eight years old. Uh, They look up things. They ask friends. They go online and find blogs. We look up social media together. And we figure out what they want to do. And then from there, you know, we start jotting down the trip and figure out how we can kind of fit a little piece in for everyone. And thankfully, California has got so much to do. It made it really easy. Right, right. And so these conversations, they have to happen, obviously, you know, before you head out on the trip. You know, how do you do it? Like, like here are the meals we're going to be having together. Here's when you're going to have time to play on your iPad. Like, what are the conversations like? Sure. Um, We start obviously like, you know, several months in advance. This trip was more of a last minute one, um, but we just sit down as a family and we talk over the dinner table about, you know, what are possible places we'd like to go. We start with the destination first. Once we know the destination, um, the kids get involved in helping us search. So we just, you know, grab our computers and we start looking up, you know, different restaurant reviews or um, look up travel blogs together. We follow different accounts on social media where we'll look up things there together and we start um, kind of piecing together 
things that they want to do. The kids are really good about finding really neat dessert places and food. <laughs> that seems to be um, that and entertainment. And mom and dad uh, kind of help out more with like resorts and stuff like that. You know, you're almost building like a li- some life skills there too, kind of just like planning, researching, thinking about what you want to do. Uh, you're, you're, as a kid, I would imagine you don't feel like you're just being dragged along with your parents on some trip. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the best things about travel is all the life lessons that kind of get unpacked within it and they're just having fun so they don't realize that they're, you know, being educated, which is really awesome. Um, but yeah, we, we talk about all sorts of expectations. So in this case, you, you know, you left the planning up to your kids and they, cho- they chose a five-day Southern California road trip. Why leave it to the kids and then why Southern California? We're California natives. I've, you know, born and raised here, as is my husband and my kids. And it's so crazy. Like, California is such an incredible state. There's so much to do that there was still a ton that was uncovered. I have my oldest was heading off to uh, college, and he's actually moving out of state to Arizona. And as he was talking to his new roommates, he was realizing they were asking him things about California, and he realized (laughs) that he hadn't done some things that were kind of on his bucket list. And so that's what kind of like spurred the the initial idea for the trip was he had some things he wanted to cross on off on his list before he left the state. All right. So let's talk about your itinerary. Where did you start and what did you do there? Well, we started off in Hollywood, which is so funny because we hadn't stayed there probably in like 11 years um, with the kids overnight. We've been, you know, day trips or visited things, but we had not like stayed in Hollywood in such a long time. Um, and I was a little bit hesitant. I just wasn't sure if it would have enough for the kids to do. And I was shocked. We had such <laughs> a good time. So what did you do? Uh, we started off, they have this amazing Dying LA like taco trek that you can take. And the kids looked up these shrimp tacos, which they love anyways. But there's these special ones from Pico Sky Gourmet Tacos. They have like a sassy sauce they're known for. And so we started there because I think any trip you got to start off with a good meal and not just like hit the spot. And then where'd you go? Uh, we headed over to the Grove. I have a daughter that loves to read. And the Grove is this really cool outdoor mall area. They have a three-story Barnes & Noble, which she was very excited about. Um, oh, wow. They just have cool food, a farmer's market. So it was fun to walk around. just kind of like a relaxing evening. Did you hit any of the uh, big places like Universal Studios, places like that? Oh, we did. Like we are a huge theme park family. So that was like obviously going to be on the itinerary was Universal Studios. And they just revamped their Jurassic Park ride and they had a new pets ride. So it was so awesome. Um, we kind of splurged and did their Universal Express passes, which mm-hmm. I always recommend to people because, you know, waiting in lines can, you know, it can it can take several days to get through the whole park. There's so much to do. But with this, we got through every major attraction in like six hours. That's really great. And yeah, I mean, so you're basically uh, not having to wait on those regular lines. You get to go to kind of to the head of the line. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if you're pressed for time or just to make the experience a little, you know, faster, more enjoyable, that's a really great way to go. You know, we actually had someone on the show who helps create the rides at Universal Studios. And it really is just amazing. I mean, everything like you mentioned, from dinosaurs to the secret life of pets. Um, what were some of your family's favorites? Obviously, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I think that's like, <laughs> it's such a cool, like, it spurred my kids, like, reading, love of reading, especially my daughter, was we actually went to the park first before she had read the books. And she had experienced it. And she, like, needed to know kind of, like, what it was all about. And so then she mm. had read through the entire series and is now a uh. huge fan. Um, But that area is really cool. Yeah. And then obviously Uh, the revamped Jurassic Park is really, really fun. Yeah, yeah. Any meals that stood out to you? Yeah. We went to a really cool restaurant called Barton G. Our cousins had actually told us about it. And it's this kind of eclectic 
hidden restaurant from the outside. You would not know at all what was going on inside. Um, but when you go in and you order your food, everything comes plated in these like super elaborate like themed plates. So like if you order popcorn shrimp, it comes in like a popcorn machine. Like our <laughs> dessert was this candy, like candy, cotton candy, uh, Marie Antoinette who had this insane, it was like a mannequin head with an insanely tall uh, cotton candy hair. It's just crazy and tons of fun. Well, you know, it sounds like the Hollywood segment of your trip certainly seemed like a lot of fun for everyone. But I'm kind of curious, like, how do you keep the kids happy and entertained when you're driving between destinations? So it wasn't a super long trip, but that is the time when we do allow them to hop on their screens. When we're together in the destination, we kind of limit screen time quite a bit. So that in itself is kind of a break for mom and dad, and, and they've got that. But we also encourage them to look out. Like we we know what stops we might be going by, like, uh, you know, the big donut sign that's in Hollywood that's really cool to see. So we always try to point out some things for them to look at as well. And then we encourage them to look up places to go visit, like whatever the next destination was. Like, hey, why don't you guys find the best dessert you guys can find in Huntington, like as we're on the drive down there. Right. Put them on a mission. Right. <laughs> now, now, what do you do if chaos ensues in the backseat? I mean, it's probably inevitable when you have more than one kid back there. Uh, do you just pull over for ice cream or, or what, do you, what do you do to kind of keep the peace? Yeah, I'd say distractions definitely can be your best friend. <laughs> and I know you're probably not supposed to, you know barter with your kids, but definitely knowing all the best uh, ice cream stops is not a bad, not a bad choice. Right, right. And you know, with, with six kids in tow, I imagine that it's it's vitally important to make sure everyone has used the bathroom before you get back on the road, right? Yes, absolutely. And on longer road trips, we, we definitely plan out like where a decent bathroom and food is, you know, every couple hours, because it's just inevitable, someone's going to have to use it. <laughs> Any other travel tips for families on the move? No, I just think a lot of it goes into the pre-planning. I think um, that and then just setting the right expectations with you and the kids because, you know, with travel, anything can happen. So I think the idea that, um, you know, just to be flexible and understand and expect kind of the unexpected to happen and just to remember that sometimes the best memories kind of happen during the mess or like in the chaos. Um, I think kind of like if you have your mindset right, then those little like hiccups, they don't mess you up as much. Right. Okay, so where did you go after Hollywood, and, and what were some of the highlights there? We went to Huntington Beach, which is a super great city for families. There's so much to do. We could have easily stayed a full week. Um, we started off with a really fun uh, Duffy boat, which are these little boats you can rent in the harbor. So we did that. Would we, we were able to like pack a lunch. So there's this cute little health bar called Jan's Health Bar. We grabbed sandwiches and stuff before we went. And that was just a really nice – again, like we always try to plan something pretty easy for like the arrival day because everybody's a little tired from the drive. Mm -hmm. So it was, an, it was just a nice way to kick things off. Did you get any time to just let the kids be kids, you know, like maybe go splash in the water or something or, or just hang out? We did. Yeah, we stayed at a really cool resort called Waterfront Beach Hotel, which is directly across from the beach. So you have this gorgeous ocean view and then they have multiple pools, including one with water slides. So we were able just to, you know, kind of camp there for the day and just let them burn off steam and go down all the water slides and, and have fun <laughs> in the pool. Tire them out a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> and your final stop was down in San Diego County in Oceanside. Why did you make that part of your journey? I think Oceanside is one of those like hidden gems. It's a little bit off the beaten path. I don't think everybody knows about it. And they've got so much new stuff coming up. We stayed at a brand new resort that just opened called The Seabird. Super cute. Again, right across from the ocean. So you have a gorgeous view. They had amazing service. And it's in the location right by the pier. So there's like 
tons of little shops and restaurants, a bunch of new brand new places um, that have opened up. And so it was just fun. It was kind of on our radar to check out. I know, you know, SoCal is is all about kind of like being outside and, you know, being in nature and just doing outdoor activities. Did you how, what did you get in on that front? Yeah, in Oceanside, like, the older kids rented kayaks and paddle boards with their dad. Um, and so they were able to see like seals and seabirds and sea lions. I know when we've been in Oceanside in the past, we've seen dolphins. So that was one of the things they did outside. And then they also have Surrey bike rentals uh, down by the by the beach. There's like a huge path that goes all the way from, I think, like Oxnard to Coronado. So that's really fun to do. Did you guys enjoy any memorable bites in Oceanside? We did. They have some amazing restaurants in Oceanside. Um, we got this amazing banana crunch French toast from the Beach Break Cafe that I think mm. is like a must have. It's just elaborate <laughs> and delicious and it will definitely fill you up and get you ready for your day. And there's also a really great um, pizza company called Privateer Coal Fired Pizza, which I highly recommend their Cassidy pie. It is like to die for. Mm, sounds great. Were there any uh, any unexpected highlights? And I, well, yeah, actually, there was a surf museum. So my kids are not – my daughter likes museums, but the boys usually don't have patience for it. But the California Surf Museum was a huge hit with everybody. I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, they have all these amazing historic boards that kind of take you through the history of surfing. They've got this whole bodyboard exhibit, which is really cool. And then, of course, the Bethany Hamilton, they had her, like, actual surfboard and bathing suit she wore. And the kids were, you know, really excited to kind of check that out. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, how do you think the kids did on this trip? Did they behave? And, you know, more importantly, <laughs> did they have fun? They had a blast. They had so much fun. And it was really awesome to see that you could do all of that, like right here in your own backyard. Um, we had a blast. And they, they were very good. They were well behaved. So and how about you, Amber? You know, we can't forget about mom. I mean, did you enjoy yeah. yourself? I did. I did. I got in, you know, some of my shopping. Uh, my daughters and I went over to, um, they had amazing shopping at Oceanside. They had this like Rising Co. coffee company with all of these really cute, like kind of handmade um, smaller shop items that I loved. And I love food. And so we hit up some really amazing food, kind of the whole the whole journey. Yeah. You know, I think trips like these can be really kind of important bonding experiences for a family. And by having the kids be so engaged in the planning of it. I think it just makes it all that much more kind of special and, you know, uh, memorable. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. You know, we're a big family. We're also an adoptive family. So like family bonding is something that we really, you know, try to consider. And and I think travel is one of the best ways to do that. Like one of our favorite memories, I think, from this trip was actually a bonfire we did in Huntington. It was just so neat to kind of like reminisce about the things we had already done in Hollywood, what we were looking forward to doing in Oceanside. And it was like the perfect night. Mm. Well, Amber, before we wrap up, I, I have to ask, is there another California adventure in store for your family? What's on your radar? There absolutely is. So we have a trip planned actually with our cousins to do um, Oxnard, California. It's another beach area and kind of explore Santa Barbara because I have another kiddo that's going to be going to a university in the next couple of years. And so he wanted to check out the schools up that way. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Amber, this has been really great. Thanks so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks so much for having me. Amber Mamian runs the Global Munchkins blog online at globalmunchkins.com and on Instagram at global underscore munchkins. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now.
There are two essentials for any California vacation, enjoying delicious food and outdoor spaces. You'll find both in Irvine, which has the most open space in all of Orange County, with a third of the city set aside for outdoor recreation. Irvine's parks and acres and acres of permanently preserved open spaces rank among the best in the nation, making it a premier destination for hikers and mountain bikers. And if you're a bird watcher, you have to visit the San Joaquin Marsh and Wildlife Sanctuary, home to a hundred species of birds. And after your outdoor excursion, check out Irvine's culinary scene, where you can sample delicacies from China, Taiwan, Japan, Vietnam, and others, taste fresh dumplings from the self-described cheapest Michelin-starred meal, Hong Kong's Tim Ho Wan, where nothing costs more than $6, or savor Korean-inspired food featuring flavorful Southern California ingredients at Urban Seoul. Whatever you're craving, Irvine is the place for fresh food and fresh air. To plan your visit, check out DestinationIrvine.com. Again, that's DestinationIrvine.com. My next guest is a travel and beauty expert, as well as a self-love advocate. And as it happens, road trips are among the ways Francesca Murray has shown herself some love. She's here to tell us about a Southern California road trip she took, complete with a hopover to Catalina Island for a night, as well as a trip to the Central Coast to Big Sur and Monterey. Welcome to California Now, Francesca. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. So to start, your blog is One Girl, One World. How did that get started? Yeah, so it started seven going on eight years ago now. Um, I had studied abroad in college. I just have a love of travel. I have a really diverse background within my family. And it started with the goal of inspiring millennial women who look like me, who weren't often represented in the travel space to get out there and to show them that if I could do it, then they could do it too. And since then, it's expanded to also include beauty and lifestyle tips still for women who like to travel and who are on the go. Um, and it's also with the pandemic that's happened also become a lot more domestic and focused on U.S. travel as opposed to having these long, uh, far off adventures that we don't really have as much access to right now. Right. So you've kind of evolved over the years and also kind of adjusted to like the new reality right now. Yeah, exactly. So you decided to to recently take a five-day mini road trip, not far from Los Angeles, where you were born and raised. What inspired that? Um, You know, again, just a desire to kind of get to know my home state a little more. I noticed that when I travel, for example, if I go to France or if I go to Italy, they come to the U.S. and they do all of California in like 14 <laughs> days. And so they're like, have you been there? Have you been to Big Sur? Have you been to Catalina Island? And I'm like, no, later. I live in the state. I have time. Right. And actually, I guess the moment came where I finally had the time. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just go for it and start seeing more of California. And it's been amazing, honestly. It's I'm like blown away and I feel so grateful to be here and have access to these places anytime. Yeah, I think a lot of people are in the same kind of mindset sometimes where like, you know, when something's kind of right in your backyard, you take it for granted. You don't realize that it's like you've got all these like amazing world class places so nearby. You figure, oh, I'll get them later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the pandemic kind of like, you know, put a little fire under you say like, you know what, I'm going to do it now. And I think that's a really great thing to do because, you know, time does pass and you want to you want to be able to experience these things. Right. And now that I've done them, it's like, OK, great. If I want to have like a solo self-care getaway, I don't necessarily have to go all the way to Bali or go down to Mexico, I can actually just 
book a weekend and drive up to Big Sur. I can go down to Laguna Beach, which is only about 45 minutes to an hour and just have like a complete getaway. And it really feels like you're somewhere else. So that's been cool for me. Yeah. So let's talk about your trip. So you started in Laguna Beach. What did you do there? So I stayed at the Surf and Sand Resort. It's really beautiful resort. The staff is so friendly. I've always, I'll be honest, um, been a little bit hesitant going to different luxury properties because I've been afraid that I wouldn't feel welcome or that it would be just a little bit stuffy. But this resort is amazing. They're so kind, so welcoming. And all of the, I believe all of the rooms, at least the room that I stayed at, is oceanfront. And so you have these beautiful views of Laguna and the water is just so clear and so blue. And it's mm-hmm. like the waves are crashing and it's so relaxing. So we stayed there and actually ended up spending a lot of the time there. Um, I also went to the spa and had a little treatment at their spa there, um, had dinner there and just kind of chilled and enjoyed Laguna Beach. It's a pretty chill little town. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, it's a very pleasant art, artsy kind of community. The beach is right there. It's a, it's a lovely place to kind of, you know, like you did, just like hunker down for a couple of days and just, you know, do that spa thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the perfect self-care getaway. I think something I would definitely <laughs> do again in the future. <laughs> what about memorable bites in Laguna Beach? Um, You know what? It's so there's an Earth Cafe, which is pretty known in L.A., um, but the great thing about the location in Laguna Beach is it's like right across the street from the beach. And so you can kind of feel the ocean breeze as you're out on the patio. You can take your food to go and just walk down or you can hang out there. I really enjoyed that experience. And then there's a pizza place. It's called Gina's Pizza. And also they have a view of the sea, like from their patio, which is amazing. (laughs) A pizza place with a view. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't get much better than that, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And now you also took the ferry over to Catalina on this trip, right? So was was it easy to get there? It was pretty easy to get there. It was um, about an hour, maybe less, and you just hop on. And it's the ride itself is really nice too. It's like an activity in itself because you can bird watch, and if you're lucky, you can see dolphins, and you can get some great photos of the Long Beach Harbor and the lighthouse if you're into photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the vantage point of the boat. So that was cool for me. I got some nice photos on the way over. Yeah, Catalina looks so beautiful. I, have not, I haven't been yet, but it's on my list of places to go. I saw one of your pictures from Catalina and the views just look spectacular. I mean, with hills overlooking turquoise water full of boats. Uh, you know, it almost looks like you're like on the Amalfi Coast or something. It's, just, it's like you're in another country. Yes, the views. That was, I think, my favorite part about visiting. And Italy is one of my favorite countries. And I've been several times. And it was kind of painful that for the past two years, I couldn't really get back over there. But being on Catalina Island really gave me that feeling like I was back in Capri or Positano or like one Mm -hmm. of those places with just sweeping views with the mountains and the houses nestled at the bay. It was really nice. Even though it's so close to L.A., it just has this like completely different vibe. What is it like? It does. And that was fascinating to me because, like I said, it's less than an hour away by boat. But I met a few people that had, hadn't even really been to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were asking me questions about what it's like in the big city. And I was so curious what it's like 
to live and grow up in such a small island, I mean, a lot of them to get around, they use a golf cart <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as their mode of transportation. Um, and I, I thought it was cool, though. And the people were very down to earth. For example, we were walking, trying to find a restaurant, and someone pulled over and, and offered us a ride in his golf cart. <laughs> and so we just like hitched a ride on the back and he dropped us off. And um, yeah, I like the vibe. The people are very friendly and down to earth. And it, it's very different. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, I know that eating and drinking and relaxing tend to be the the top activities on Catalina. How did you do in those three categories? So the food was delicious. Uh, if you do go to Catalina Island, I highly recommend checking out the Blue, Rod- Blue Water Grill. Mm. It's oceanfront and the food is really good. The staff is really nice. What kind of food do they have there? Is it mostly like seafood themed or what is it? Mostly seafood. And for me, one thing that's really important when I go to a seafood restaurant is they have to have oysters. I have to try Mm -hmm. oysters everywhere I go. And they did have (laughs) oysters and they were delicious. So they passed the check. (laughs) Um, And what else did we have that was memorable? We had this avocado, not avocado, artichoke dip that was mixed with crab. And it Mm. was Really, it was unique. I hadn't seen that on a menu before, and it was really good. Oh, that sounds delicious. How about relaxing? The whole experience of just being on Catalina Island is relaxing. So it there isn't really much effort to be made to relax when you're there. It's pretty much you step off the boat, and there are no root cars. There's no traffic. There's nothing to stress about. All you have to worry about is where you're going to eat, where's the best spot to lay down your towel on the beach. And, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. So it's not, it sounds pretty much perfect, actually. It, it is. If I you want to relax. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, you know, your Southern California near Cation ended in Long Beach. Uh, where should I go when I'm there? Ooh, Long Beach. So Long Beach was interesting because I've been several times, like so many times in my life, and I still somehow managed to have an entire itinerary of things that I had never experienced. For example, there's a gondola. You can do a Hmm. gondola cruise there in Naples, not to be confused with Naples in Italy, although it (laughs) is, I think, supposed to be fashioned after Venice, Italy. I'm not sure how it got the name Naples, but that's what it's called. So are there canals there that you're going through? Is it a canal kind of thing with gondolas? Yeah, exactly. There are canals and you... um, can hire a gondola and they'll take you for a tour for an hour. And the guys, they have like their Italian name, like my gondolier, his name was Giovanni. I think his real name was John or something, but he had an Italian name. (laughs) They wear like the red striped shirts and then they serenade you while you're on the cruise. So (laughs) if, and as someone who has been to Venice and at the time I just couldn't afford to do the gondola experience because it's very expensive there. It was cool to get a taste of what that would have been like here in California. Yeah, no, that sounds great, right? Any other highlights? Okay, so one place that you should definitely eat at is Boathouse on the Bay. Same thing, it's on the water. You can eat outdoor on the patios, although I think you should make a reservation if you do want to eat on the patio because it was very busy. Mm. Um, And it's just beautiful to watch the sunset go down. And again, it's a lot of seafood, so lots of seafood on this trip. it was just a really nice ambiance. And that restaurant in particular, it's a little more on the, I guess, classier side, I would say. 
So it's not like a casual, it can be casual, I guess, if you dine inside, but outdoors, I did find that it was a little more of like a fancier dining experience. So if you want something mm-hmm. like that, that place would be perfect. I love how this road trip is so mellow and achievable. I mean, so- sometimes we convince ourselves that a road trip has to be some sort of epic adventure, but you stayed kind of close to home and still had like all the freedom and fun of a longer road trip. Right, exactly. I I appreciated that about the trip too, because... I like to have grand adventures, but for me, I'm kind of different when it comes to road trips. I I actually kind of like to get from point A to point B and then explore and enjoy when I'm actually in the destination versus going on this like multi-day stop randomly type of experience. So it's it was good for me to see that you can actually do both and still feel like you had an adventure without tiring yourself out on the way to get there. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to take a ton of days off from work. You don't have to go too far from home and you can still have a really amazing, amazing time. Yeah. Now, you also you also took another trip up the coast to Big Sur and Monterey. What were some of the highlights in Monterey? I mean, I, I heard there might have been some glamping involved. Yeah. So the trip to Monterey, it was like a dream start to finish. Um, and Big Sur had been on my list for many years. But again, just one of those things where I thought, OK, it's there. Someday I'll get to it, but I'm so glad I went because I'm already thinking about like how I can get back again this year. <laughs> um, but as far as the glamping, yeah, so we stayed at the Vision Quest Safari and it's located right next to the Monterey Zoo. And it's a really cool experience, especially if you're into animals, because you're right there and then the, in the morning they have uh, an opportunity to feed the elephant that lives on site. Hmm. If you stay there. And oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And for girls like me who aren't necessarily into like roughing it too much, but still <laughs> like to be in nature, it was perfect because it is a tent, but it has uh, a bed. They had, um, what do you call those things? Like blanket warmers on the bed. It has hmm. a bathroom, shower, full facilities. So it was comfortable, but still had the feeling of being like out in nature, which was nice. Did, did did you do the whole 17-mile drive down there? Yeah, we did. So we, uh, on our way back down to Big Sur, we did the 17-mile drive. And it's it's definitely worth it. It's something that I had saved on Pinterest over the years. And it was really cool to see some of those sites like the Lone Cypress. And that's a place, the 17-mile drive, that I can definitely say is worth paying the 1075 to have access to it and to stop off at some of the different destinations because it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, and for people who don't know what that 17-mile drive is, why don't you just quickly kind of explain it? Yeah, so it's a private drive. It's like a private section of um, of Monterey. And you enter, you pay the entry fee, which is 1075, and then you have access to drive. And I believe there's a golf course and things like that if you actually want to stay and hang out. But for me, it was more about photography and taking in the sights. And it has some of the iconic um, spots like the Lone Cypress and Pebble Beach and China Rock. And it's nice, I think, that they have a fee because it helps them maintain and you get a map when you enter which is nice yeah. so that you can kind of like pick and choose which spots you want to get to and you don't miss anything that you have on your list. So um, it's definitely worth it. And it sounds like, you know, so how long did it take you? I mean, it sounds like it could be like an afternoon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You could definitely spend an entire afternoon. I, I wish I had actually, that's something that I would recommend. I wish I had spent 
a little time planning that into my itinerary because at first I was under the impression that it really was just a single road. Maybe you look to the side while you're driving, but it's actually Mm -hmm. more of the type of spot where you would stop and want to get off because each viewpoint is so unique that I feel like it's worth like carving in an extra couple hours just to be able to see it all. Right. That's a good tip. And then you ended up in Big Sur, um, uh, amazing place. What stood out there for you? Wow. What didn't stand out in Big <laughs> Sur is, is a better question because I was just amazed by everything. I love how you have the sea and you have the incredible views from Bixby Bridge but then you go inland a little bit and you have the pines and you have the redwoods. And then we stayed at the Big Sur Lodge, which was a great place to stay because they actually are within the same vicinity of Pfeiffer Falls, which just opened after being closed for 13 years. So that was a privilege. And it's a 45 minute hike. And once you get to the end of it, there's a waterfall and mm. it's really well maintained. It's been, the bridges have been rebuilt and everything. And so just, I mean, from the river to the redwoods to the sea, Big Sur has everything that you could want. Yeah. What else sticks out to you from that trip? Um, so the Big Sur River Inn, we didn't stay there. I think next time I would like to stay there because everyone there was so kind and it, it's the first motel that was open there. So I think it's worth a visit. But we went for breakfast and they have chairs that they put in the actual river. So it's the most relaxing thing ever. Hmm. You just grab a burrito or you grab whatever you want from the general store or from the restaurant. And then if you order from the restaurant, they pack it in a cooler and you could take it down to the river. And if you're lucky enough to snag a seat, so I do recommend going in the morning, if you're lucky mm-hmm. enough to get a seat, it's it's great. You just hang out by the river. You have a chair, you have your food, you have your drink. <laughs> that sounds great. It's like almost going out on the river on a boat, but you're on uh, you're sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> so let's wrap up with a few tips. Uh, any pointers for people planning a California road trip? Yeah. So since I'm so into wellness and beauty, I'll start with that. And I'll say, keep in mind that the California climate is dry and it seemed to get more dry the further north we got. So, you know, bring your own beauty products, your own hair care, your own skin care, because that's something that I actually forgot was to bring like heavier creams and lotions. So just a little tip on that front. Um, But as far as logistics, so I know it's really basic, but I will say if you can avoid overpacking, mm. it's, it's that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one for a lot of people. Yeah, I know it's really tough, but it just saves you a headache. Like if the trip is less than five days, I think it's best to try to just fit everything in a carry-on, especially if you're doing something like I did in SoCal with like multi-city. So I was only spending one or two nights in each place. Mm -hmm. So to avoid the stress of just repacking, having all this stuff, lugging it in the trunk, um, trying not to overpack, it'll save you a headache in the long run. So how do you do it when you're sitting there looking at your bed full of clothing that you want to bring and you have a little carry on bag? How do you how do you do it? (laughs) It's not easy. It's taken years (laughs) of practice. Um, But the way I try to look at it is I just try to. See, pick, pack like basic pieces that will go with everything else. So, and also I try to pack like neutral colors so that your pieces go together and 
the one thing that's helped me stop overpacking is that I've realized when I do travel, it, when you overpack, you only end up using like half of what you bring. So mm-hmm. just try to think of like the really essential things that you'll need and keep it keep it at that and keep it light. That's really great advice. Francesca, this has been really great. Thanks so much for joining us on California Now. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Francesca Murray is a travel and beauty expert based in Los Angeles, online at onegirl-oneworld.com. That's with the ones spelled out. Same goes for Instagram, onegirl-oneworld, which has the girl spelled G-R-L. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. California's incredible diversity of scenery, terrain, climates, and people is a huge part of its charm. No matter where you are, there's probably something completely different just waiting to be discovered a few miles down the road. Such was the case for my next guest, San Francisco-based travel photographer Henry Wu. He and his travel partner are used to exploring all over the globe, but when the pandemic hit, they made a point of getting to know their own backyard. Welcome to California Now, Henry. Hey, how's it going? So, Henry, you're one half of the duo that runs the online publication, This Life of Travel. Tell us about that venture and how it came to be. So, I was uh, actually originally a software developer working in Silicon Valley. uh, And travel and lifestyle photography was uh, a major creative outlet for me. Uh, My partner and I, Zori, we actually created This Life of Travel after a lot of our friends kept asking us for advice on travel and photography tips. Uh, One thing led to another, and before we knew it, we had left our Silicon Valley jobs to pursue photography and content creation full-time. So judging from your Instagram account, uh, it seems like you two are engaged in a lot of international travel, or you were anyway, before the pandemic. Yeah, so we were mostly focused on a lot of international destinations. I'm, I think maybe because we had met in Thailand and we just love um, international travel. So we were focusing on places like India, Japan, France, uh, Uzbekistan, to name a few places. But, you know, as the pandemic really changed the international travel landscape, uh, we weren't able to travel very much outside of uh, the U.S. for a while. But that was, uh, that was a nice blessing in disguise since it really uh, made us explore our own backyard. And you know, luckily, our backyard is the, the amazing state of California. It just has so much <laughs> to offer, you know, all these parks, uh, culturally rich cities, diverse landscapes, and a really amazing multicultural food scene. So what prompted your decision to head down the coast to Carmel and Big Sur? What inspired that trip? Uh, well, so that time of year when we went to Carmel and Big Sur, the uh, the spring blooms were kind of like popping up all over the highway over there. So we decided that we would just take a drive down and check out all the, the color that was everywhere. And we've actually been to Big Sur and Carmel many times, but it just uh, it never really gets old because the coastline is just so beautiful. And a funny thing is... Um, Big, if you go to Big Sur and you do that Big Sur road trip, it might actually ruin any other coastline trip you take. Because like <laughs> whenever we go anywhere, it's especially if it's a coastline involved, we compare it to Big Sur and usually Big Sur wins. <laughs> How long were you planning to spend on this getaway? 
We did about five nights on this trip, but it's totally uh, doable in one weekend. Were there any must-see spots on your itinerary? I'd say right after about Pedro Point, Devil's Slide area, if you're driving from San Francisco, that's when like the ooing and the aahing will start. Um, I'd say I was a couple favorite stops along the way to Carmel. Um, mm-hmm. The Seal Cove Cypress Tree Tunnel. It's this beautiful eucalyptus tree tunnel right along the coastline. It's one of my favorite hikes done in like an hour or less. Um, also, the JW Fitzgerald Marine Reserve, which is right next to that. It's a three-mile-long tide pool full of marine life. And if the tide is low, you'll be able to see all these colorful anemone, crabs, sea stars, and octopus. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you keep going, um, Sharkfin Cove is a really famous uh, place where you can stop. It's famous because it has a, a big rock in the shape of a shark fin. Uh, it's a little secluded. It's really pretty. Uh, the trail down's a little bit uh, slippery and steep, but if you don't mind getting your hands a little dirty and you have grippy <laughs> shoes, it's really worth it. Now, of course, you know, nowadays, every listener out there has a camera in their pocket, and most of them have Instagram accounts, too. So what advice do you have for novice photographers who want to capture great photos of their travels? I have a Nikon Z6 and an iPhone 12 with me most of the time, but... My advice is you don't always need like a, a big fancy camera to take nice photos. Like the smartphones nowadays are so, the cameras have progressed so much. And actually some of my best photos have been taken with my iPhone. So I would say bring a microfiber cloth with you uh, to wipe off the smudges on your, on, the, on your iPhone lenses because usually your hands are in your pocket and you're smudging the lenses with your fingerprints, which mm-hmm. might cause like smudgy photos. Also, I recommend if you can uh, take your photos at like magic hour, like right right at sunset or right before sunset, or if it's cloudy, those are perfect. What I try to avoid is taking photos in super harsh direct sunlight because it causes a bit of contrast. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, not everyone can take uh, pictures in those conditions. So if you are taking pictures of people in bright sunlight, if they can, sometimes they get that squinty eye look because they're looking right into the sun. So if you can right. get them wear sunglasses, that's a cool little trick. Yeah, it's always hard to kind of, uh, you know, get good photos in direct sunlight. So maybe find like a shady spot or, or something like that. So, yeah, so trying to get around those little challenges. Um, so along, along your road trip, where did you stay along the way and how was it? Uh, so in Carmel, I actually stayed at this hotel called called Hoffs's house, and I was staying there because they were doing a art artist in residence with the, a local artist called Marie Claire, and she's famous for the uh, Carmel by the Sea mural. It's like this really colorful clamshell. You can look it up on Instagram. It's, it's Insta famous. Um, so she was doing a, hmm. uh, she's painting a bunch of the rooms there with her own personal touch and painting some murals there. So it was really nice to uh, hang out with her and see what she's doing. And I just like, uh, I like it when hotels are supporting local artists like that. So it was nice to stay there for that reason. Right. Yeah. Were there any food highlights? Yes. Uh, we loved Passion Fish, which is in Monterey. I recommend the buttermilk biscuit, and you should order hmm. two because you won't want to <laughs> share it. Um, <laughs> the scallops and the halibut, 
And for brunch, I recommend Stationery. It's a local spot. Uh, the chilaquillas, potato pancake, and the chai latte are the things I would recommend. Uh, okay. <laughs> Was there anything on the trip that surprised you? I would say uh, I was a little surprised at how cold it got at night. So if you're going to go, I would uh, bring layers because even if it's like very warm during the day, once the sun sets, it gets really windy and cold. So I would get <laughs> I would bring layers. Right. That's a very good that's a very good tip. Now, you also did a, a wine country road trip. Um, I'd love to hear about that. Where did you go first? So it was actually, uh, I went to downtown Napa a couple weeks ago, and it was a, a nice surprise because I had always viewed downtown Napa as a place that you kind of drove through to get to the wineries, mm-hmm. but it's, it's kind of gone through a rebirth with a lot of new shops and cafes run by lots of younger people who are very passionate about Napa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so what were some of the highlights? Uh, I, I discovered these uh, two shops that I really liked. Uh, first one was uh, Riza Plants. It's uh, focusing on, well, plants. And, mm-hmm. you know, fair warning, if you go in there, you're probably going to walk out with something. Uh, <laughs> we ended up buying a, a spotted begonia. It's this uh, wacky <laughs> plant. It's got all these, like, polka dots all over the, the leaves. It reminds me of a Kusama art piece. You should Google <laughs> spotted begonias and check them out. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That, you know, you don't think you don't think of uh, plant shopping when you when you think of Napa. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's it was really it's a really it was a really beautiful plant shop. We have a lot of nice plant shops in San Francisco too, and this one really impressed me. Um, mm. The second one was Camino. It's a, a florist shop run by this really talented florist called Christina Yen. She does really, really, really like beautiful floral arrangements. So if you like that stuff check her store out it's called Camino. Hmm. Did you did you hit the Oxbow public market by any chance? I did. I did. I walked around there and ate a bunch of food and just it's like uh reminds me a little bit of the the Ferry building in uh San Francisco. Right. So you kind of have a little bit of everything, kind of different food stalls and offerings. Um did, were there any best bites on your uh you know outing to Napa? Yes. Uh there was this place called uh, Dutch Door which was actually recommended to me by Christina. Uh, it's kind of a local spot. And it's it's a little bit hard to find. It's 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 like a Dutch. It's like a blue Dutch door, and with no signage almost. Hmm. Uh, but it was it was so good. Uh, I got their Korean fried chicken sandwich. I ended up going there for lunch. Like both days we were there. Um, and the other restaurant that really impressed me was Torque. It's spelled uh, T O R C. I go there for dinner, got to try their sugar bun, corn soup, any of their pasta dishes, and also their diver scalps. Mm, That sounds great. So Henry, when you were in Napa, where did you stay? I actually stayed at uh, Napa River Inn, which is this historic hotel that used to be a a mill and used to be like a main social point back in the day. And they, what I liked about that hotel is they reused a lot of the things from the mill. Uh, there used to be a, a skating rink in there. Mm-hmm. And so my room was composed of the wooden floor, the original wooden floor of the skating rink <laughs> and lots of other things. It's just part of the room. So that was a nice historical touch. That's a really interesting. So after downtown Napa, where'd you go next? We actually headed over to Sonoma next because we wanted to try some of the wineries in that area. 
and we actually found two wineries that we really loved. The first one is called Ledson. It's a stunning, stunning castle based, based on French Normandy architecture. There's a nice tasting area in the back, outdoors, and our favorites were, the favorite wines were the Viennet, the Sauvignon Blanc, and the Zinfandel. Mm -hmm. The second winery that was really blew our mind was Chateau Saint-Jean, which is modeled after an elegant European chateau. I recommend doing one of the tastings that combine wine with uh, cheese and charcuterie. Uh, both wineries are just really pretty, and they, they're really good for photos. So what would you say are some of the highlights on that leg of the trip? The wineries were great. We also stayed at this place called Beltane Ranch. It's a bed and breakfast run by this really nice family. Uh, it's also a very photogenic place that we picked for this exact reason. Uh, it was very cozy. There was a chef there that cooked meals for us. There's farm animals everywhere. And we did a lot of uh, photos there. And it's basically, it's a ranch, but it's also run kind of as a, as a bed and breakfast too. So you kind of, you almost feel like you're kind of moving in with some friends who have a beautiful ranch with animals and everything else. Yeah, exactly. I, I did feel like I was just staying at a friend's house, and the whole place does have that feel. And it's very small, so uh, most of the time you'll feel like you're the only person there. Huh. And, and I, I hear that they actually they also make their own wine. Is that right? Yes, they have uh, a lot of wine grapes. They grow a lot of wine grapes there, and they make their own wine. Many of them are award-winning. Uh, so I recommend going there. You can you don't have to stay there if you don't want. You can just go there and have a wine tasting, have a meal, and just hang out there. So Henry, did you have any favorite bites in Sonoma that were like just really memorable? Yeah, there's this one place called La Michoacana Natural Ice Cream. It's a uh, Mexican ice cream. I was just driving around, and uh, they have a very very colorful storefront, and it just caught my eye. So I, I stopped by and they have these ice cream bars and they are so good. I would recommend anyone who's driving by that area to stop there. I always stop there if I'm in Sonoma. You know, speaking of food, you know, food photography has been such a big thing uh, last several years. Do you have any tips uh, as a photographer to, you know, getting it right? Yeah, so I actually have a pretty funny tip. Uh, you know, sometimes you go eat uh, dinner somewhere and it's like kind of a dark restaurant and you're trying to take pictures of your food, but it's, I mean, it's really dim lighting. Um, so some people, what they'll do is, I get Zori to do this. She'll take uh, the dinner napkin, which is, you know, white cloth. She'll turn on her phone flashlight and then she'll wrap it around the dinner napkin around the phone flashlight, which causes a diffused light situation. <laughs> and then she just puts that over the food. And then I take the picture. Oh, my God. Do, that's uh, really clever. Yeah. If you do a straight up uh, flashlight, it's too intense. It causes a lot of shadows. The <laughs> dinner napkin diffuses the light. I, I wonder, do the do your fellow diners kind of look over what you're doing and wonder, like, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah. It gets a lot of looks for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's a crowd pleaser. That's funny. But the final product is worth it, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's great. Well, Henry, we're very glad you're getting a chance to explore the destinations close to San Francisco, close to home. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Henry Wu is a travel photographer and San Francisco guide. Find him online at thislifeoftravel.com or on Instagram at hummingLion. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. 
This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and to get a chance to hit the road soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. And please check our website. It's visitcalifornia.com.